Great morning, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini, the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn, Seton Hall University, class of 1985. My great pleasure to be back again with you today. The purpose of our show, Thank God for Monday, is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope, healing, peace in these unprecedented, turbulent, uncertain times. Motivate you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as to how to utilize the information we provide today. Take full accountability for the decisions you make and the resulting outcomes. Now, one of the goals of our show, Thank God for Monday, is to introduce role models. Role models of people who take very bold steps in their work lives. This is a very turbulent and challenging time for many organizations. This is a time where literally every sale counts. And as such, we are honored today to have with us a most special guest. His name is Scott Savage. Scott is a global managing director in Franklin Covey's sales performance practice. He is a highly sought after advisor, speaker, and influencer on the topics of sales, leadership, and negotiation. He is also the co-author of a very enlightening and timely book, Strikingly Different Selling, Six Vital Skills to Stand Out and Sell More. Great morning and welcome to Thank God for Monday, Scott. Good morning, Greg, and all the listeners. Uh, I'm honored to be here with you this morning. Thank you. The honor is really all ours. Kindly share with us from what city and state you are speaking from this morning, please. Well, that's always an interesting question for me. Uh, my family and I, we live in, uh, in Utah, out in the Intermountain West, and uh, but I spent about a third of my time um, pre-pandemic in Europe and the Middle East, a third in Asia, and a third here in North America. And so as I'm listening to that question, I'm thinking, you know, at least over the last two years, I've, I've kind of been anchored here, you know, virtually. Wow. Uh, but I just, just returned from New York uh, from a week with clients and things are starting to open up, Greg. Um, Travel starting to pick up from a business standpoint. And it's been interesting to have been more face-to-face with clients. And I would imagine some of your listeners are starting to see some of that happen again. So I was reflecting, I don't know, maybe I'm a New Yorker today, <laughs> uh, just as I think about it. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were going to be here. We could have invited you to visit beautiful Brooklyn, certainly. I would have loved it. That's for sure. Hopefully next time. Sadly, uh, Scott, we've only got about 30 minutes, so we're going to jump right into the deep end of the pool with this fabulous book that you've co-authored. Who would you say is really the intended audience for this book? Well, as you hear the title, Strikingly Different Selling, uh, most would say, okay, if I'm a seller of any kind of product or service, uh, this would be a good fit for me. And yet, as we think about your broader audience, as you know, as you were mentioning, uh, you know, creating hope and healing and peace, and you know, being able to uh, take accountability for what we do, 
all of us influence one another. Uh, parents influence children. Uh, we influence our partners, our friends. And in our workplace, we're constantly sharing information and looking to influence each other. And so in some ways, I believe, uh, as Daniel Pink used to say, selling is human. It's, it's our way that we interface with each other. So we tend to focus towards those who sell products and services, whether it's in the retail space or consulting or whatever it is, but all of us in one form or another are influencing. So it's quite a human to human being interaction, I believe. It's so fascinating because as our listeners know, I'm a terrible reader, but this book is so beautifully written. Even I could read it and really understand it. And as someone in our 15th year here, I thank God for Monday, I am trying to expand the reach of the show. This book is going to help me with that. So thank you again for this great, great book. No doubt about that. And that dovetails the next question, please, Scott. What was the motivation? You know, why did you and these other three people really write this book? Well, there's been quite a journey for us. Um, I've been selling for the last 38 years in a lot of different organizations and been consulting salespeople, sales leaders, and executives for years. But we had some experiences about uh, six, seven years ago that really started to change the way we think. Let me share it quickly. Please. Uh, what we did is we were invited by a client and eventually several clients to do what we called high performance labs, where we had the opportunity to bring their top salespeople in and we teamed them up with executives and buyers of their services. And so some of these were actual buyers and others were uh, those who had recently retired so that we could give them an authentic sales experience. And it started at the beginning of the sales process of trying to find someone who might need our products and service all the way through an entire sales cycle. We would actually take a week and work with them. And so the total looks like this, Greg, we had uh, 2,800 different sales consultants from 135 countries, 17 different industry groups, and they were quite seasoned. Many of them had 23 years average experience. And what we had the privilege of doing is we watched and observed them through 1,688 meetings, believe it or not. Oh my uh, goodness. Just, again, a six year period. Wow. And so it was just um, a, a fascinating uh, experience in this way. What would happen is um, they would start these meetings and work through. And when they finished, we had the opportunity to interview both the seller as well as the executive. And uh, as you might imagine, as we got done with the meeting, we'd say to the seller, so what do you think about that meeting? Again, whether it was a first meeting or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, at the end of the sales process. And, you know, most of the sellers were some of the top people in their company. Many of these were some of the top technology products companies in the world. And so we really had the privilege of seeing some of the very best. And they would say, you know, it wasn't a perfect meeting. I don't think anyone was expecting it, but I really liked it. I, I thought we had a good interchange. Um, we asked some good questions and I think they gave us great answers. Uh, I think they like our value proposition or our thought leadership or I think they're starting to really appreciate how this might help them. And then we would turn to the executive and say, so what do you think? How did this, how did this interaction, this meeting go? And a good 70% of the time, 
this, the buyer, the sales, uh, the uh, executive would say, actually, it was a waste of my time. What? Yeah. <laughs> and so I remember the first few times this happened, I thought, Are you, what? Are you kidding me? I, it wasn't like this was a failure at all. And so I would push on this executive, tell me more about that. That, that does surprise me. And they would say, listen, uh, if this was a complete failure, I, you know, we would have been in the meeting. But I was really looking forward to meeting with this person or uh, an individual from this company because I thought that they could give me some help. But I have to say, uh, I didn't get the value I needed out of the meeting. So isn't that interesting? So we're kind of getting a thumbs up from the salesperson, but we're getting a thumbs down from the client because the client's saying, look, I think I helped them. I think I gave them what they needed but I certainly didn't get what I needed. That sounds strange to me. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. And so as we dug deeper, we found three things particularly. First of all, salespeople talk too much. So those of you that sell or those of you that are in, in any type of business, are you talking more than you're asking? Are you listening? Are, are you lining up what they really need? Do you really understand them and their issues? The second thing they said is when they did ask questions, they asked too many. It was more like an interrogation. And it felt like I was to give answers so they could get what they needed instead of getting questions that caused me to think differently. And the third thing was we really struggled in understanding how they're different from any of their competitors because many of them had been meeting with their competitors and they couldn't see any real difference here. And so that, that, this has become much of uh, the basis of the book and, and many of the things that we're sharing here in this idea of becoming strikingly different. How can you stand apart? And what would make it a different experience for them, but also how would the customer or the client be better off as a result of working with you? So that, that, that was just a phenomenal experience for us. And again, a 1,600 meetings and we were able to take this and work together over uh, several years to find what is it that customers really need and want, and what could we do to stand apart and to be much more successful and much more meaningful, uh, both in our meetings and in our selling. Wow. And if I perceive correctly, then the feeling was not, I'm, we're not going to hold on to this wonderful good that we have we want to share it with the rest of the world. Do I perceive that, Scott? Is that why really you said we've got to get this out there? Right, because I have to say that there were many times that I was actually quite surprised because uh, the those individuals who were talking to the client were using well-respected and uh, well-thought-of sales process and, and uh, questions and dynamics that you would expect. Um, and yet it wasn't hitting the mark. And it, it, in many cases, it was a bit subtle. It wasn't, again, these aren't failure meetings. These are fabulous and very successful people. But we started to find those gaps. And as we found the gaps, we were also able to find the secrets to help close those gaps so both the seller and the buyer were better off. Well, thank you so much for really explaining what the book's premise is. And this is very interesting because this book is so easy to read. I must tell you, I didn't think it was as research-based ah. as it is. 
Yeah. Talk a little bit more about the research base in here, please. Well, we've, uh, as an organization of Franklin Covey in our sales performance practice, we've, we've worked with tens of thousands of sales leaders across the world and, uh, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of sellers uh, for many years. In fact, uh, when I came into the organization and started the sales practice back 23 years ago, wow. um, we've had the opportunity to, to really work hard to try to bring all these things about. And, and you know, um, so we're bringing our infield experience. We're bringing uh, the variety of experiences and cultural backgrounds. You know, someone selling in the Middle East is doing something very different than what we're doing in Japan or South America or, or even in various places across the U.S. and Canada. And so we've always known some of these things and the adjustments we needed to make. We have lots of infield experience, but when you bring that infield experience along with these experiences over the last six, seven years, it brings us a rich bastion of just different ideas, mindsets, and tools that start to really break through and help people sell easier and do it more successfully. Uh, just amazing, amazing research that you've done here and done such a beautiful job of summarizing it in this great book, Strikingly Different Selling. I think, Scott, you started to answer this next question, but if it's okay with you, I'd really like you to peel the onion. Sure. What are some of the struggles that most salespeople have in common as relates to standing out? Well, you know, one of the things, Greg, that uh, was a breakthrough for us was trying to understand what customers needed when it came to differences. One of the parts of research that we did, we worked with a company, um, Primary Intelligence, and over several years, and we looked together at 14,500 uh, business-to-business transactions, selling experiences. <laughs> and we found, Greg, that over 42% of the time, these decision makers, these buyers could not tell the difference between different companies and vendors. And this became very troubling um, because none of us suspect that we all believe we're different. And um, I think one of the mindsets that's helpful here is the idea of how do you create compelling contrast? Um, because people make decisions every day based on differences, not similarities. I mean, think about all of us as a buyer. We go to the store, we buy food, we buy products, we buy services. And so often we're comparing and contrasting good, better, best. We're, we're looking at a product and, and they're often positioned on a shelf right next to each other so you can contrast. Well, sometimes when we're selling or trying to influence, it's not clear what the contrast is and it's made it quite difficult. So we came up with a mindset and a formula that we call RDM. R for relevant, D for distinct, and M for memorable. And this helped us to start to help all the people we've been working with to figure out, are you relevant, distinct, and memorable enough that it stands out, that, that people can easily tell how you're different? And it makes it easier for the buyer to make a decision. 
So for instance, as you think about relevant, we've got to make sure that we're focusing on what matters most to the client. And you know, a lot of us, we think we're doing pretty well here. And, and I do believe that we work hard at it. I mean, the principle is diagnose before you prescribe. I mean, we would expect that from a doctor. Why wouldn't we expect that from anyone selling? Sure. That, that we get to know each other. In fact, my wife and I uh, were out to buy a new car. And uh, this was my wife's car. And so she took the lead and was the buyer and wanted to make this happen. We went to three dealerships of, of very well-known vehicles and um, things that my wife, cars my wife really wanted to buy. And we just wanted to tell the difference between them. Sure. And would it surprise you, uh, Greg, if, if I told you that we visited three of the best dealerships in the area and the salespeople never asked my wife a single question? You got to be kidding me. No, no. They're so busy selling, so busy showing feature benefits, sit in the car, go for a drive, do these things. And finally, my wife on the third dealership finally said to one salesperson, after like 30 minutes, is there a question you would like to ask me? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and the salesperson said, yes. Do you want to buy my car today? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm a silent. This was a this wasn't part of our research, but I was a silent observer. Oh, I was dying. My. And my wife, by the way, it wouldn't surprise anyone listening today, uh, left the showroom and did not buy. Of course not. You see, they weren't interested in her. She didn't feel interest. They didn't know what mattered most to her. Therefore, she was left to try to make a decision based on information they were so willingly able to give, but without it being relevant to her. So relevance, Greg, is huge. Our ability to ask questions. You know, it's interesting. Back several years ago, the American Medical Association did some survey work with doctors and they found this, that doctors who ask more questions are seen as more credible by their patients. Really? Yeah, yeah. And as you think about this idea of relevance, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah, that if they're asking you questions, really wanna understand what's going on for you, you, you trust that they're taking their expertise and their years of experience, and now they're able to address me or you as the patient, as opposed to just you know, having a medical practice. So I just think it's fascinating that so often sellers are talking and telling and not asking and listening. So R is so critical, be relevant. And you gotta be relevant by asking questions and understanding. Now distinct is interesting, this D of RDM, because it's showing people how it's different and better. We oftentimes look at this as a from to type of statement. You'll see this in the book. We've discovered that if somehow we can get people either verbally or in person to be able to help people understand, here's where you are today and this is what it could be in the future, focusing on those outcomes. And if you can take what you learn from them and the questions and they're relevant, now you can bring a distinctive comparison to the things that matter most to them. So in, in the case uh, of my wife, right? She cares about safety maybe, 
of you know her children or the grandkids we have, then he then he or she could say, well, here's where you are today in the typical car, and this is what you would have here in this car. Wow. Right? Just how simple that is. Sure. If I can be relevant, now I can show distinction in a different way. So, and then the final thing is memorable. We, we Basically, what we think about this and memorable is how do you make it sticky? Easy to share and hard to forget. So if you're, if you're relevant to what they need and you can show that contrast, then you can do it in a way or describe it in a way it becomes easier for them to both share to other, other buyers and decision makers, but more importantly, something that they don't forget. And now you start to stand out as the superior choice. So this idea of RDM has been a real um, powerful way for sellers to examine a meeting, examine a proposal, examine their interactions to ask themselves, am I standing out by being relevant, distinct, and memorable to my customer. What's really amazing about this, Scott, it sounds to me very simple, but from the beautiful example you gave with your wife and the dealerships, very easily overlooked. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a natural tension, isn't there? Uh, in, a, in a buying and selling relationship, there's a natural tension of, um, I have something that I'd like to share or convince you of, or I have a product or service I believe you need. And a buyer may be at beginning stage wondering, do I really need it? Do I feel sold to? to do they really understand me? And will this make a difference? Because I think one of the best takeaways here, Greg, is this idea. It's not that we're different. It's not that our product and service is different. It is really comes down to, does the customer believe that it will cause them to be different, that uh, they'll become dramatically different and better as a result of using, consuming, or being part of the difference that you're bringing to them. Boy, the light bulb just went on, Scott. That's incredible. Now, this wonderful book, Strikingly Different Selling, Six Vital Skills to Stand Out and Sell More. I think we've let the audience hang long enough Share some things, please, about these wonderful six skills to stand sure. out from competitors and win the sale every time. Well, you know, I, I love this idea, Greg, that if we can if we can use the filter of RDM, now we're in a position where these six skills actually are become quite powerful. So think about this. How often do I have to capture the attention of my buyer? and create some excitement where they want to do something or they want to engage with me? Um, what do I need to do to build confidence and credibility that my product and service is reputable, that it, it really works for people and so forth? And then how do I become this essential provider of those products and services? I mean, so many of your listeners um, are not just looking to find new prospects, although I think we're always looking for that, but we have a lot of existing customers and clients. And, and building that repetitive buy, that repetitive trust that comes from excellent service and taking care of the relationship is so important. So how do you become that essential part of it? Well, we believe that that comes from being curious about your buyer. 
sometimes, sometimes you have to, before you ask a question or uh, before you engage, the buyer's asking the first thing, well, why are we meeting? What do you have? What's going on here? And so part of the curiosity is to balance both our questions and our answers. So in today's market, in 2022, 2023, and so forth, we oftentimes have to put a point of view on the table. We have to talk about the product or service. But here's what's staggering about that. Most buyers are saying, even in the most sophisticated large uh, buy, are saying, I'll give you, you know, 90 seconds, I'll give you two minutes to make your point, and then they want to engage. So if, if we're going to talk first, it needs to be short, it needs to capture attention, it needs to create some excitement so that it generates the right to ask a question. You see, sometimes we have to earn that right. Other people would rather have you ask questions up front as you get curious. So let me step back now. Now that we know some of the ideas or principles we're looking at, the six skills are this. How do you capture attention with a verbal billboard? How do you really tighten this up so your message is clear and distinct? How do you create excitement with what we call a movie trailer? Which just like in the film business, we have 90 seconds to put that main idea on the table and cause people to say, hey, I'm interested enough yeah. to do something. And then we hope that this all builds confidence that they'll say, well, where have you done this before? Tell me the experience of others. What might this look like for me, which we call flashbacks and flash forwards. And then it comes down to how are you different from each other? The final, the final piece here is we get curious in, in our skill number five about the balance of asking questions and providing information. And then there's always, and Greg, uh, I would imagine as you think about you in your buying experience, we have something we call navigating traffic lights, which is in every interaction, there usually is a time where there is a concern or maybe an objection or, or maybe just a question coming from the customer where they're not clear about something. Sure. So able to navigate those. So those are the six skills that uh, wow. we've been able to package to help us reinforce RDM, making it different and how to stand out. You do it so succinctly and clear and so well, Scott. So even I, someone who, again, knows nothing about selling, uh, can understand. So kudos to you uh, and your fellow authors here, no doubt about that. Time is getting a bit short, but I still have a few questions to ask. Okay. That's sure. okay. Uh, there may be some people in the audience, I wouldn't doubt it, maybe who are struggling in sales right now. Any advice the other authors and you might have for these people struggling a bit today? Well, could I, I just make a comment of Please. 30 years of plus years of experience? We have a principle that we call intent counts more than technique. Intent really? counts yeah. more than technique. Wow. Intent counts more than technique. What is our underlying intent? behind any interaction? Is it to sell something or to help somebody? Because if someone really feels that you're there and that you're here to help them, they respond differently than if they feel that they're being sold to. Oh, wow. And what happens sometimes when, and I've experienced it myself many, many times, 
when we're behind quota or we need to sell more, you know, we, we've all got to pay our bills. We've all got to, you know, um, make a difference for ourselves and those we love. Sure. But the more you feel pressure to sell, the more likely your intent shifts to selling instead of helping. Oh, so my advice, Greg, is maybe sit back a little and ask yourself, are you here to help them or to help you? Because there's a mutual interest there, isn't there? We need we need to be selling, but sure. it starts by helping someone else and helping them get what they want and need. And then you're going to be able to get all that you need. I, I remember so much, uh, one of my uh, people I used to listen to so much, if some of you old timers would remember Zig Ziglar. Of course, yeah. I, I used to listen to audio things of Zig all the time. And probably the thing that I love the most about Zig was he would constantly remind me as a seller, you take care of that customer. When you ask a question, ask a question from the intent of really serving and helping them, not just the intent to get information so you can convince. And as you do that, as you serve them, as you care about them and they feel that, they, they'll, they'll send back the ability for you to be able to answer and ask more questions, but more importantly, hopefully to sell more. So isn't that an interesting thing? There's an old Chinese proverb that says, Help thy neighbor's boat across the lake, and lo, thine own has reached the shore. Oh my so goodness! Pressure's, pressure's on. Think more about helping more, helping more clients be successful than yourself, and it will go a long ways to standing out and selling more. This takes me back to my thirty-year career in pharmaceuticals before becoming a Franciscan brother. And I remember that message loud and clear. It was all about the patient. It was all about the doctor. It was not about making money. Yeah. Wow. That just reinforces what you're telling us today. Uh, no doubt about that. We've saved, Scott, the most important question for last. From where can our loyal listeners purchase strikingly different selling six vital skills to stand out and sell more? Well, uh, of course, you can visit Amazon. You can, you can visit actually any of your favorite bookstores, both in person as well as online. I believe that you'll be able to find them in any online or physical bookstore. Um, we have them starting to spread out in the airports, which is very common, oh. um, you know, in the old days. But uh, they're, they're a little bit uh, hit and miss there, depending on, on your part of the country. But um, as travel picks up, you'll see them more and more in those travel bookstores. Um, but uh, easily can go to Amazon and, um, and purchase this. We'd be honored and we'd love to hear your review of the book um, as, as you read it. If it's making the difference, we hope it is. Uh, we're confident that if you'll take the mindset of RDM and just work at these six skills and always keep your intent on your customer, you'll start to stand apart as different and better and uh, be able to sell a lot more. Listeners, no excuse. This great book is available everywhere. So please, please do yourself a favor. Pick up one of these. Pick up one for a friend or a colleague as well, because there's no doubt 
Excuse me, there's no doubt about it. I'm not in the selling business per se, but this book is going to help me with better influencing, uh, thank God for Monday listeners and widening our audience. And as Scott reinforced, I've got to remember it's all about you and not about me. And that's a great lesson I learned this morning and from this book as well. So please, please do yourselves and do others a favor. Pick up a couple of copies of this book. As we Franciscans like to say, share the good. No doubt about that. After you've done that, please don't forget to follow us on now the Tiki Talkie. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Questions, comments, concerns, ideas for guests and topics. We always, always love to hear from you. Scott Savage, co-author of Strikingly Different Selling, Six Vital Skills to Stand Out More and Sell More. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us today. As I mentioned in our pre-discussion, this is the first time in 15 years I'm embarrassed to say we've had a show on sales. It was worth waiting 15 years for. This was really dynamic. Uh, continued great happiness, joy, success uh, in this fabulous Franklin Covey sales performance practice and all this great work you're doing literally around the world to make the workplace and the world a better place. Thank you. Honored. Listeners, guess what? Once again, we're out of time. Greg saying our hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like Scott Savage does, you'll say, thank God for Monday.